In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace to you today as we observe Father's Day and as we celebrate fatherhood in all its diverse forms. Dean Troy will share a prayer with us later. Woo! Fathers! Don't run with scissors. Don't play with matches. Don't swim after eating. Don't go out with wet hair. Don't cross your eyes or they'll get stuck. Put on your helmet. That's not a ramp. What did I say? These are things my father never said to me. Well, I did hear that last one. What did I say? I was never given stern warnings about things I should fear or people I should fear. I didn't even hear never talk to strangers. My husband is being generous when he says, you'll just talk to anyone, won't you? Sometimes jokingly, sometimes with less jokingly. I was never made to fear. The only thing I was really ever taught to fear was that people would think me impolite or disrespectful. Cover your mouth when you sneeze. Don't chew with your mouth open. Take the smaller piece. Wash your hands often. No singing at the table. Stand for the national anthem. I was never taught to fear anything. I was never taught to fear anyone. I know that was a privilege. I know that was a privilege of a middle-class, white, military police officer's kid living in the safety of military bases in the 70s. So I'm all about this passage, right, from Matthew? So have no fear of them. Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So do not be afraid. So do not be afraid. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, when I grew up, I recognized that Everyone didn't grow up like me. What about those who, from the very time they were born, were taught to fear? Yes, to fear. To fear strangers, to fear helpers, to fear governors, even sometimes to fear family, because fear equaled existence. What about them? What about those who read Matthew's passage, the good news, and say, is it any wonder that we've been made to fear? It's easy to see how slave-owning Christians might conclude that the authors of the Bible approved of the institution of slavery and probably regarded it as an appropriate part of society. I can't take on these topics in 10 minutes, but I want to be a part of the conversation because talking about fear is important. And so is talking about 
who God is calling me to be as a privileged white pastor and a leader, and who I feel God continues to call us to be as a church that claims as our core mission in the outline of our faith to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. Science fiction writer Frank Herbert wrote this in his masterpiece, Dune. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me, and when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Jesus knew that fear would cause the total failure of discipleship. Jesus knew. Remember that if we follow him completely, we end up on a cross, right? Or at least at the foot of one. Yes, the disciples leave the security of their homes and they leave their families and they follow. And yes, they proclaim and share the good news. And yes, they practice community. But they are still ultimately going to give in to the power of fear. We live in a world that has long recognized the power of fear a power that ensures obedience to the structures of the world, which sometimes is a good thing. And sometimes, sometimes when it leaves us with a stake in a future that is vacuous and empty and of very little value, that's a bad thing. Or worse yet, when it leaves us with a stake in the very best of everything, at the expense of the toil and the lives and the hopes of others of God's beloved. Fear is the force that often propels our economy and sets our global and national priorities. But we are not of this globe, not of this earth. We find ourselves in it, on it, but not of it. And because we are not of it, we must be a part of what brings the kingdom of God here on earth to all of God's beloved children, and especially to those who have been the most persecuted, the most rejected, the most scorned, derided, abused, and targeted for the very vulnerability and identity that they bring to the kingdom. Faith, proclamation, and practices of the gospel inevitably puts us in a position to be demolished in a head-on encounter with those who hold power. Jesus is preparing us for the most important mission of our lives, a mission of reconciliation, to clean up messes, and right now, a mess of systemic and institutional racism, and to start with our own house, to start with our own churches. Jesus is calling us to restore all people to unity 
with God and each other in Christ and to respect the dignity of every human being. And he doesn't mince words. Christians are meant to face threats. We're meant to be in danger. We will face arrests and beatings and oppositions, even from our family members, and we'll be hated and we'll be persecuted. And these are good things because they come from the good news. And why does Jesus tell us about all these horrible things that we'll face? Because naming aloud frees us from fear. Things which were covered up are being uncovered. Secrets once whispered are being disclosed because of the power of the gospel. Things which were being held in the dark are being brought into light because good people are participating as peacemakers and are seeking to listen. And it's hard work. It's hard to hear someone say, I do fear those who can kill the body. And until I don't, I can't see the God that you see. It's hard to hear someone say, your God scares me, and your caller, it scares me. It's hard to hear. And it's hard to fathom the grace that creates a profound faithfulness that some have lived in spite of so many of history's most disgusting and tyrannical systems. God's oppressed and maligned have proclaimed such depths of love for God for centuries and done so with such an abiding love that I can hardly grasp it. And hearing these stories is hard too. Listening and reconciling is hard. And this is our mission. I must listen. We must listen. I have a deep and faithful hope that the body of Christ in the Episcopal Church will answer, is answering the call to our mission. I have a deep and faithful hope that we will acknowledge the fears we have and will do so with love, loving those with whom we agree and loving those with whom we vehemently disagree. And thank God that there is that diversity of faithful thought in our churches. I love that diversity. And I love those who are faithfully coming and disagreeing. Who wants a homogenous church? I don't. I have a deep and faithful hope that we will engage with a wide-eyed recognition of the facades of human power and how they are rooted in the threat of conflict, that only a division of the powers of the world and the powers of Christ can produce. I have a deep and faithful hope that the body of Christ will be a body of mercy and compassion, a hope that we will lose our lives to find them. 
Do not fear, for the Christ walks with us. God is present in the world. We're being asked to be completely vulnerable and dependent on God. Sheeps in the midst of wolves. Our silence will deny the relief and deliverance of God's beloved. I believe in the body of Christ, and I believe in the Episcopal Church, and I believe that God has placed us here for such a time as this.